It's a privilege to open up God's Word uh, with you this morning. I want to invite you to pray with me again, um, and let's pray that God would use this time in His Word to uh, shape us into what He wants us to be. Let's, let's pray. Father, we ask in this next few, uh, these next few minutes, Lord, that you would speak clearly to us. Give us the ears that we need to hear, uh, the eyes to see, the heart to receive what you have to say to us from this passage. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, some sermons, uh, the application is weighty uh, and typical. You know, like we should pray or spending time in God's word and things like that. And today's application is um, very simple, almost so simple that I'm like, I don't know really what to say except to just read it and do what it says, really. Uh, But maybe I can paint the picture of its importance this way. If you're raising children in your house and a guest comes to the door, Maybe it's a guest you're expecting, maybe you weren't expecting, but you know them, you're happy they're there, and your child opens the door and is like, what? What do you want? Why are you here? And you're like, oh my goodness, right? Don't you quickly realize you didn't prepare your kid properly, or you did prepare your kid properly, and they're really uh, messing this whole thing up right now, because there's something important about Greeting. I mean, even if you randomly bump into someone in the aisle at the store, you tell your kids, say hello. Why? Because it's rude not to. But this isn't just about decorum, being polite. This isn't just about what would people think if my kid didn't know how to open the door. It's not about you as much as it is about making that person feel like you love them. And sometimes it doesn't take a humongous gift a a large demonstration of your sacrificial love for them, it could be in a hello. How simple is that? But are we sometimes needing a reminder to just do that? Greet each other? Literally a whole passage on greeting each other, right? Think about how Paul closes his letter in Romans uh, to the Romans. I mean, he has given them thick theology, some stuff that's still some of us are like scratching our heads. He's gone to the, some of the deepest depths of theology that we find in the Bible. And then chapter 16, he uh, spends most of his time closing out the letter by saying, hey, don't forget to greet one another. That's it. Do that. Look at verses 1 through uh, six, uh, 16. We'll just read straight through 1 through 16. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Centria, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow, co- uh, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Epinetus. I'm going to mess up some of these words. It'll just make you feel better about yourself when you're reading through the Bible. Who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Could you imagine? The first convert to Christ in Asia is listed. That's cool. Greet Mary who has worked hard for you. 
greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachys. Greet Apelles, who was approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman, Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphena and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermas, Patrobus, Hermas, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nerus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. So you see this charge. It's a weighty charge. It's an important charge. It's enough weight there to spend scripture on it. But it's not difficult, really. It's simple. He has certain people in mind that shouldn't just go unnoticed. And he doesn't want certain kinds of people to not go noticed. Now, I know we have the celebrity problem in churches where, uh, you know, those of us who are aware that when people are put front and center and get too much praise, too many accolades, too many gifts on the side, too many thank yous, uh, they might be puffed up with pride. But I don't ever see in Scripture anything that says something like, uh, don't praise people too much because they might be given to pride. And when we say, well, we don't want to give too much praise because then they get arrogant. And we, well, I have enough arrogant people in my life. So the Lord saw what they did. That's not what Scripture says. Now, if people walk around going, hey, do you notice what I did at church today? Do you notice how many things I signed up for to clean up? How many did you sign up for? I triple that. Well, yeah, that person is not in a good place. But this passage isn't saying, hey, I love how Phoebe commends herself. Nor is the passage saying, don't worry about commending people. Phoebe doesn't ask for it. She doesn't want it. I guarantee you Phoebe's encouraged by it. So he's got specific people that he doesn't want them to go unnoticed. He wants them to not just notice them, but actually commend them and greet them. So over and over, he says, greet this person, greet that person, greet this person, uh, not from afar, not in a way that they don't know, but even down to the holy kiss. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. All right. In verse 16, kiss them. So let me point out a few things that I think are going to help us here with these categories. And some of them are really obvious and we can do really quickly, but it's a really mixed group of people. It's mixed because you've got men and women in this list. It's mixed because you've got, uh, some of them are Jewish. Paul says, my, hey, my fellow kinsmen. Cool, right? All, or the first person in Asia. You've got people that have been converts for a long time, where he says this is the first convert, or these were in, they were in Christ before even I was. That's great. There's a point of celebration, celebrating that someone's been in Christ for a long time. That's awesome. We also have um, 
people that maybe he knew were close to him, and he talks about this person's mother is like a mother to me. And some people he names briefly, maybe he never met them, but he knows from other people that they're doing well. And so people that he knows, maybe better than others, men, women, people that are veterans in the faith, probably some that are newer in the faith. You've got Jews, you've got Gentiles. And I also want you to notice that they're not all, shall I say, officers in the church. You know, it's not just those that are in full-time ministry. It is those sort of people that work hard in the church but may not be on the staff, the webpage on the church website. They may not be in the back of the bulletin listed as deacon so-and-so or pastor so-and-so. These are people that after you hang out at church for a while, you realize, oh, that's why it's comfortable in the summer heat. This person took care of the AC or whatever. So he starts with Phoebe which is an interesting case. He says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Centuria. Uh, I debated whether to get into this or not, but when he uses the word servant, the word there is deacon. And so some churches will say, see, you have female deacons. Uh, I don't want to go too far into this. I I think what I would say is, yes, in some sense, everyone is a servant. Paul is is referred to as a deacon in scripture. Jesus is referred to as a deacon. Every time you see the word deacon, doesn't mean deacon, capital D, the office. It means someone who serves. Now, whether or not you take this to mean that Phoebe is a deacon, he doesn't continue the whole rest of this and elder this and deacon that person, right? These aren't officers. These are people. And what they have in common is that they work hard for the church. I don't think this is the place to go to to figure out uh, whether women should be deacons or not, capital D, the office. I think this is a place where the focus is on how everybody serves, whether or not you've got a title attached to your name. That's the emphasis of the passage. She's a sister first, so this is the family. And within the family, she's a servant. She works. And uh, I want you to welcome her, verse 2, I want you to welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints. I love that. I mean, we, you know, people shouldn't feel more welcome at their secular clubs than they do in their spiritual family. People shouldn't feel more welcome at the gym than they do at the church, more welcome at their school than they do at the church, more welcome at their job, such that when they come to church, we're like, hey, hey. And then when they go to work, we're like, hey, right? We don't want to be outdone. Now, I hope people are welcome at their work. That's a privilege to work at a place where you feel welcome. But there's something special about being a part of the family of the saints. And he says, I want you to welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you. For she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. There are some people who are in need, uh, but they've been perhaps low contributors to the church. And I don't want to turn this into a negative. Paul's not saying don't give to people who don't contribute, but definitely give to people who definitely contribute. So he's not restricting giving of the church toward people who maybe weren't as helpful, but we definitely don't want to do that and turn a blind eye to people who definitely are helpful because the very reason he gives up to give her whatever she needs, blank check, figure it out. Why? Because she's She's so helpful. 
So some translations don't say patron, they say benefactor. What does that mean? She benefits people. It's just a fancy. Other translations are just like, look, she helped. She helped. That's what servants do. And we should take notice of people who help, not just the ones who have the microphone. We should take notice of people who help and who help well and who work hard in that helping. And we should figure out ways to honor them and help them with the things that they need. What do you need? What do you need? We want to help you. So as we see this here, this fellow servant of Christ, uh, the list pushes into other kinds of people who work hard in Christ. And let me just point that out really briefly, that this is a family deal. Okay? Phoebe is a sister. And in verse 2, I want you to welcome her in the Lord as her brothers and sisters in Christ welcome her. So this is really something that is an in-house family deal. And when he pushes through, he talks about where these people are in relation to Christ. In verse 3, greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They didn't just risk their necks for my life, but they did it as, a, as brothers and sisters to me. And that's what brothers and sisters do. We sacrifice our own comforts to make sure somebody else can do what they're being called by God to do. But they're doing it in Christ. Greet the church that's in their house. Greet this convert, Eponidas. He converted to what? To Christ. He says in verse 5, Andronicus and Junia are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Verse 9, greet Urbanus, our fellow worker, in Christ. Verse 10, greet Apellus, who is approved in Christ. Greet those in the Lord in the next verse. Verse 12, greet those workers in the Lord. Again, Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord. Now, Paul, you could save some ink if you just said, hey, all these people are in the Lord. One time. Greet all these people in the Lord, you know, comma, and then list them. No, he's like, no, I'm going to dip the stylus in the ink every single time and make sure it's fresh ink on the parchment. And I'm going to say in the Lord, in the Lord, in the Lord, in the Lord, because this is family and this is why it's important. And that's why you weren't that upset when your kid was rude to, like, the person who's there to check your meter or to collect the, you know, do the census thing. But when it was aunt so-and-so, a member of the family, and your child was rude, that's, that's a little next level. No, 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 open the door. That's auntie so-and-so, right? It's the family that prompts the need to, to greet one another, welcome one another, supply each other's needs, notice one another, because we are in Christ. We are saints in verse 15. We are churches, verse 16. So Paul wants us to think about those that are in the family, even if they're not part of your earthly family, they're part of your eternal family in Christ, and they work hard in it. They work hard serving Christ in various ways, Sometimes he hints at what that is, 
But for the most part, he just says they work hard in Christ. He doesn't itemize the things they did. He just, there's all kinds of ways to work hard for Christ. And certainly all of them weren't preachers. Certainly all of them weren't church planners. But in various ways, in whatever way God has called them to do it, they worked hard in the churches to take notice of it. And most of these people aren't from their own church. They're from other churches. And that's important, too, because our family goes beyond just the four walls of Christian Fellowship Church. I'll just say this briefly, but Paul has made it really, really clear in this letter what does it take to be a part of the family. And that doesn't mean we don't welcome people who aren't part of the family. But as Aaron rightly noted, there's something specific about communion. There's something, there is a family here, and you're welcome to come and watch what the family does, but what does it mean to be in the family? What it means to be in Christ. And you can go back and read through Romans, and he talks about whether you're Jew or Gentile. We all, we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory, so we are at enmity with God, Romans 5. But if we come to Christ and we recognize by faith that he has supplied what is necessary through his death, his resurrection, and then ascends to intercede for us, he's done what it takes to bring us in. And if we come to him in repentance, by faith, that he brings us in as adopted children into his family, completely by the grace of God. If you're still waiting, let me fix my life first, and then maybe I'll come in. You'll never come in. Because to come in is to recognize I can't fix my life. I can't. But he can. He's effective to do it. And then once you're brought in, you're brought in Christ, not to just sit around, but to work hard. And what Paul is telling the church is recognize those who are demonstrating that they really are in Christ and they work hard to do it. They, are, they labor. They are fellow workers. Verse 9, for instance. And y'all should greet them, welcome them, notice them, commend them for their hard work. I'll just point out another bit of controversy just because it does come up uh, pretty frequently. And that is verse 7. Verse 7. I want to do this quickly because really I think it's not, it's not the point. It is not the point here. But some would say, uh, Paul says, look, greet Andronicus and Junia, male and female, and they are well known, and really the Greek says, among the apostles. So you can take that two ways. Uh, maybe they're well-known. When you look at the apostles, the apostles are like, hey, yeah, we know them. Or they're well-known among the apostles as apostles. You know what I mean? Among the apostles, meaning that these two people are apostles. And some people would say, see, that's how you know that other people are apostles. And it can be men, women, other people can be apostles. So let me just dispatch that really uh, as briefly as I can. One, we're not sure Junia's a man or a woman. It might, it might be. It might be a couple. Fine. But apostle, like deacon, is small a or big a. I mean, everybody is an apostle because apostle means messenger. And so frequently throughout Scripture, apostle is applied to just somebody who is tasked to explain God's word to somebody else. That's, that's an apostle. And then thirdly, the reason why I don't think these are Apostles, capital A, is because I don't think it's necessary to translate it as 
greet Andronicus and Junia, who are apostles, but they're well-known among the apostles. So we don't want to take this and start going, look, see, in this list, we see that we can do this with deacons, we can do that with apostles. No, no, no. What is the focus? The focus is people who work hard in Christ, men, women, they've been in Christ for a long time, they just got to Christ perhaps recently, Jew, Gentile, race doesn't matter, age doesn't matter, what church you're from doesn't matter, where you live doesn't matter, even if you were the first convert, doesn't matter. What matters is you're in Christ, you work hard, and what the rest of us need to do is honor them, recognize them. That could be as simple as a greeting, but we do that with intentionality. I think of how blessed I am. I know recently we celebrated, you know, 15 years here, and what I try to make clear is that that is a testament to the church. I mean, I I have friends that would have stayed longer in pastoral ministry, uh, but the church, the churches sometimes uh, won't receive health. You know what I mean? It's like a patient that's like, I want you to help me, but don't inject me with anything. I don't take medicines. I'm not going to be here for longer than 20 minutes, and don't attach me to any machines. It's like, well, we're not allowed to poke, prod, or do anything. What, I mean, I'm going to go help another patient then, right? And sometimes pastors come in, and they want to help. They want to lead. They want to shepherd. And the churches don't treat them well. And I think my family has been treated really well here, not because we... Um, are, are perfect and deserve it, that's for sure. So when I see a passage like this, I'm like, yes, exactly. I think a healthy church takes a healthy church, not a healthy pastor. It's the people that work hard in the Lord that don't have the degrees necessarily, and they're not necessarily the first name you see on a, on a website. And so we notice them, and we greet them. Well, here at Christian Fellowship Church, we have people that work hard at making sure people online can catch the sermon. Cameras and soundboards, got them in the back there, you know, doing their thing quietly. Um, We have CFC kids, workers downstairs, and they're not just throwing candies at your kids. You know, like, is Lucas still going? Like, how much longer? I'm running out of candies. I mean, they're praying for your kids. They're going over the lesson, right? That doesn't end up on the website. We don't have a tab on the website like, how did this worker do, right? There's not a a sort of platform to show, look how well this person did. The fruit of it is your kids on the drive home, hopefully you ask them, what did you learn today? And if they were to tell you, I don't know, just a lot of candy, a lot of candy. That's a problem, but if they, well, you know, we talked about this, and I think the point was that. That's the CFC Kids volunteers putting in hard work for your kids. I think of people who give uh, so generously. Uh, I see things sometimes that are behind the scenes, and I think some of y'all would be either A, embarrassed, or B, feel like, no, I, I don't want people to know that, Right? Um, and so I won't, I won't necessarily use a bunch of names up here, but 
as I, as I look across the congregation, I just I see actual people, and I think of that's how that person participates, and that's how that person helped, and we wouldn't have this if that person didn't step up and do that. And it could be anything from flowers in a flower bed to lights to financial giving and all kinds of things in between. Those who lead our growth groups week in and week out. Do you ever feel like, ah, oh, I'm kind of tired. I think I might skip growth group today. Well, if you're the leader of the growth group, you don't necessarily get that privilege as easily, right? Think about the times where you're tired, you don't want a growth group, go to growth group necessarily because work w- went late and you're tired and you might have to skip dinner. Well, the growth group leaders do that a lot of times and they have to go. We should honor them and commend them. Thanks for leading group. Think of our deacons, uh, Bill and Winder. Winder's not here today. And a lot of the behind-the-scenes things that they do for the church, sometimes spending their own money, using their own time. They work hard all day, and sometimes they're here for long afternoons, evenings. Even when we book someone else to do the work, who's going to check up on it? Did you guys install that right? Did you check this? Deacons are doing that so that we don't have to, so that we have pipes that work and ACs that blow (laughs) so we could be comfortable in church. There's people behind the scenes making that work. I think of my elders uh, or the elders here that are mine. I'm saying the elders that are with me, not the elders that I own. Just being clear because this does go on the interweb. Um. We have long meetings, man. And those are meetings that uh, not only hours that they sacrifice, but hours that their wives sacrifice of not having them in the house. And their kids. I could watch that movie with you today, but we have this elders meeting. Now, I think most days it's not, oh, I've got this elders meeting. I really would rather watch this new movie that came out. Most of the time, I think probably... I think there's like, no, there's some good work we need to get done here at the meeting. But I am thankful that every idea I've come up with isn't just rubber stamped immediately. I have to convince these guys. And sometimes in my flesh, I'm like, oh, I've got to convince these guys. How's that going to work? But most of the time, I'm like, Remember that one time I thought I should convince them and then I didn't and then I look back on it and I'm like, they saved me from that stupidity. That's, that's the help I need in a church. But I get up here and I've got the mic and on the website it's all degrees, seminary. If it weren't for those guys next to me, this wouldn't be a healthy church. I probably wouldn't even be here if I didn't have that kind of help. I think of work that we do outside of this church um, don't think he's here today. He's probably visiting another church, but Gordon and the work that he does with Five Stone Churches, uh, take him to lunch sometime and just ask him how things are going and just find out about these other churches that are being helped uh, through the Five Stone ministry and uh, through your ministry here even as well. Finally, I think about other Chicagoland area churches. Those of you men who've come to the men's retreat that we have in October, you're like, where, does all the, where are these other guys coming from? They're coming from other Chicagoland area churches whose pastors are connected with each other. And we all say, hey, let's do a men's retreat together. Why? 
because Paul isn't just talking about people in the church in Rome. He's talking to the Romans and telling them to greet and command other people from other places. Now, how do they know about them? There's no Twitter. There's no Facebook. The only way they know about some of these people in the list is because Paul gave it to them. Say, hey, when you meet this person, when this person comes through, greet them. Give them what they need. They work hard in the Lord. And I probably need to do a better job of commending those who are behind-the-scenes workers, but who work hard in the Lord because they sustain the church. Let's look at verse 16 because I do want to get a little practical. He says, greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. I remember growing up, and I do have a bit of a Pentecostal background, and not only that, not only that, but a Hispanic background. And I remember my first time at Moody Bible Institute. Okay, coming, Jersey boy. I come to Moody Bible Institute. It's our first week. And each floor in the male, the men's dormitory, is paired with a floor in the women's dormitory, and they call it brother-sister floor. So if, if any of the ladies, any of our sisters wanted to go to the corner store and get something, or remember you had to walk to the ATM to get cash, right, that they'd have some brothers they could call on and say, hey, I'm going to walk, and someone walk with me? And just to make sure that we're uh, helping our sisters out. But we would do these fellowships, bro-sis hangouts they called it and the very first one i walked in and i recognized uh one of the sisters that i had met in the orientation i'm like hey so and so and i went in for a hug and she's like whoa whoa (sighs) like freaked out and then i just felt like a dirty i don't know what i was supposed to feel i was like uh psych like she's like whoa 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 we do not hug I was like, oh, okay. Now, what was I going to do? But like, well, you're lucky I didn't kiss you because it says right there. It says right there. It would have been a holy one, I'm just saying. But right here, you are dishonoring what Paul says. No. Here's the point I'm trying to make. Paul is writing in a culture to people who are in a culture, and we all are culturally bound. Now, this is a little bit mixed, and I know for a fact that some people in our church would be probably quite offended if somebody gave someone else a kiss on the cheek that weren't married. Well, if you took a missions trip to some church plant like in Italy or something, you might be offended a few times in the service. And you don't have to go that far. Like I said, churches I grew up in, people are hugging all over the place. It's not erotic. It's not sexual. We're not, it's, there's no groping. I mean, it's, it's, there's a kind of cheek kiss. There's a kind of hug that is appropriate. It, it's culturally bound, for sure. So I don't think what we want to take away from this is, oh, we're supposed to, all cultures are supposed to do this. I think the point that we're supposed to take away with, in your culture, what is an appropriate way to express, I love that you're here. I'm so excited that you're here, that I got to see you today, that I get to see you this week. And I don't know what the answer is to that. I think sometimes it's look them in the eye and say hello. That We try our best to remember names. I probably shouldn't say that because I I struggle with it sometimes, you know. Um, But we want to remember, yeah, weren't you here last time? 
I'm so glad you're back. I'm so glad you're here. I remember that last prayer meeting, that prayer that you prayed. I was so encouraged by that. Sometimes we're encouraged by things and we keep it to ourselves. Don't keep it to yourself. Let that person know. If it's a little awkward, a little shy, write a card. Write a card. I want to tell you how uh, impacted I am by cards. Uh, And you all have given me many of those, but give them to each other. Give them for each other. Don't wait for a special occasion or for a birthday. And oftentimes, the times that we say things nice about somebody else is at their funeral. Guess what? They're dead. I mean, honestly, think about the things that you would say at a funeral and say it before they die. Greet them, commend them, thank them. Let them know you notice that they work hard in the Lord. And maybe it's not appropriate to give a hug or a kiss, but can you give a fist, pound, a a shit? a head nod, something, and let them know that they're recognized, that you notice them. Quickly, let's push through. He gives the counterpoint, the negative, in the next few verses. I appeal to you, brothers. There's not everybody that you should welcome. You shouldn't commend everybody. There's some people you need to watch out for. These are people that you don't want to welcome. To watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught, avoid them. That's the the opposite. Don't don't greet them. Don't welcome them. But they should not be in your fellowship. Now, again, he's not talking about people that are lost, people that are confused, people that have questions. Questions are welcome in church. That's what we do. We learn together. These are people that don't have real questions. They are intentionally trying to break the unity up in the family by coming up with weird doctrines, you know, weird teachings. It's pretty doctrinally focused, you see there in verse 17. What is their motive? He says, for such persons do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is the opposite. All these people that work hard in the Lord, these people are different. You're like, well, they have degrees, and they, they run circles around me in Scripture. They know how to quote Scripture. So does Satan. But what is their motive? Such persons do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ. They serve themselves. They serve their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. Why do we have growth groups, sermons, CFC courses, discipleship, books that we try to recommend and give away? Learn, 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 learn. What are you, trying to start a university? No, we're trying to protect you from being naive. It is the naive people. They get pulled away from the flock through nonsense teachings, and those teachers, they have, look, smooth talk and flattery. Boy, they don't sound like a heretic. Well, what does a heretic sound like? I'll tell you what a heretic usually sounds like. Smooth. Flattery. Think about someone in your life who's like, hey, I love you, but you need to work on this. Those are the people we tend to avoid. Ugh corrected me i love this person never corrects me probably the heretic they use flattery to deceive the hearts of the naive verse 19 for your obedience is known to all so that i rejoice over you it's like look i I know this isn't you i'm just telling you watch out for these people but i want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. So he, he shows you 
just like Satan was in the garden, eh, did God really say, I'm bringing into question the things that you're taught? That's how he works today. He's not going to come to you in the form of a serpent. He's going to come to you in the form of a smooth-talking, flattering person that's all smiles, makes you feel good about yourself, will never correct you, will never tell you you're wrong, ingratiate themselves with you, and before you know it, you start disbelieving some things that are core to the faith. Watch out for that. Greet these people. They work hard, but just make sure you're not confusing them with these people who they work hard but not for the lord they work hard for their own appetites and they will destroy you stick with it stick with it don't be naive and they'll be crushed under satan's feet as enemies of the church the grace of our lord jesus christ be with you and he closes with the positives again timothy my fellow worker greets you so do lucius and jason and so Sipiter, my kinsman I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. He threw himself in there. I don't know. Maybe he was like, Paul, can I? He's like, yeah, go ahead. Hey, I wrote this. You know, Paul dictated it, and I wrote it down. That's cool. Guy, or Maybe Paul was like, hey, put yourself in there. That's probably more like it. Gaius, who was host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother, Cordus, greet you. I can go on about modern-day people who serve as hosts, people who serve as treasure, people who, after the service, while we're all trying to figure out where to eat, they're in there counting. And we have lots of servants here in this church, and what Paul wants us to do is to be mindful of each other, greet one another, go to Half Price Books, get a stack of thank-you cards that are blank on the inside, and every once in a while, fill one out for somebody. Just look around and be like, yeah, that person. What do they do here? I love it. And then write something for them. Uh, I, I collect those. I've got a box of them. All right? I've got a box of them. Those are things that we uh, should cherish when we get those. And together, I think we will uh, exude a kind of beauty. And when people come and see what the family looks like here, they'll want in. It's attractive. How do I see that? How do I become a part of that? And we can share the gospel with them. Right? Let's pray. Fathers, we close in this time. Father, we pray that we would uh, think intentionally about how we can greet one another, welcome one another, uh, not just sort of rush to our seats when we come in or rush out to lunch when service is over, but to look around and see people that we can, we can shake their hands, we can give them a pat on the back, literally um, thank them for their work or for their service or for being a warm presence or for being an encourager. Uh, thank them for um, leading certain ministries in our church. Whatever ways in which they work hard, we want to commend one another in that, encourage one another in it to continue building the health of your church here. And fathers, we close in the song. We ask that you would uh, build in our hearts the commitment and desire to express the grace that we've received in you to those around us here at church and beyond that are part of your family, working hard in your kingdom. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.